Viva Combo Nation. <laughs> what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 291 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Today's show, Noah Magaro, George, writer and editor for Pounding the Rock, host of Alamo City Limits, joins in to talk Spurs basketball, plus more. A fantastic conversation with Noah. You can find Noah on Twitter at N underscore Magaro. That's N underscore M-A-G-A-R-O. And don't forget to share this episode. Share with a friend. Share it on social media, man. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at 12combo on IG. That's O-N-E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Magaro George, host of Alamo City Limits, which is an SB Nation podcast. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, anytime, anytime. I think this might be our first Spurs-centric pod. We're over 200. <laughs> we're over 280 episodes in, and I can't remember one Spurs podcast. You know, I can't really blame you. The Spurs haven't been very good recently, so it's all good. <laughs> But we do have a lot to talk about. I mean, you do cover the draft. You do cover the Spurs. Your reaction to Josh Primo getting drafted at 12, I don't think I saw anybody that had Josh Primo being linked to the Spurs at 12. Man, it was crazy. It was wild. I mean, Josh Giddy was pretty crazy, but Josh Primo (laughs) was even more wild. And Josh Primo was super talented. You know, 6'11 wingspan, 6'5" shooting guard, gets his shot off easily, can really shoot the basketball, has tools to be a great defender, moves well without the ball, which I think is underrated about him. What were your thoughts on that draft pick and how surprised were you? Yeah, at first I was a little bit confused. I personally, I had him 31st on my big board. So kind of the first guy who would come off the board in the second round if everything goes, you know, according to plan, which of course the draft never does. And I, you know, at first I was a little disappointed, but then I sort of thought about it. I talked to some other guys who were pretty high on him. And just like you mentioned, he moves really well without the ball. He shoots the ball super well. His shot prep is immaculate for an 18 year old. His hands are always ready. He's low. He's got his feet set. So there's a lot of things you could like about him. I know that age isn't necessarily an asset, but the fact that he's been playing up against competition since he was young. I mean, he was part of that under 19 candidate or under 19 candidate team as a 16 year old. He played at Alabama as a 17 year old. Now he's going to the NBA as an 18 year old. I think this only bodes well for his development. And, you know, the more I hear about him, the more I'm on track with what the Spurs were thinking. And they seem to think that he was the best player available. They've done a great job in the draft recently. And you know what? If they like him, I like him and I can't really blame him. I can't, I can't blame him at all for taking a swing on a guy that they like, that they worked out, that they saw at the combine. So I'm just going to have to live with it. Even if I don't necessarily agree with it right off the bat. No, who would you have taken at 12? 
because I haven't heard anybody say that they would take Josh. Did you hear anybody talk about Josh for the number 12 pick going into it? So, and who would you have taken? So the only person I knew who was really that high in him was a guy named Max Feldman. He does a lot of NBA draft sort of scouting stuff. My guy Pierre through the Wire podcast, he was really high <laughs> on him, but he was also surprised that, and we talked about this before, he was also surprised that he went that high, but was really high on him as well. So I think shout, shout to my guy Pierre. <laughs> And, and just thinking about, like, what guys I would have drafted there. I mean, there are certainly people who I knew that the Spurs had worked out. But just from, like, a pure talent standpoint, looking at the big board that I had together, you know, I think a guy who would have been really nice for them in that spot would have been Kai Jones. I know he would have also been an upside swing as somebody a little bit older. But positionally, they needed a big man. He's sort of that modern hybrid forward center who has a little bit of ball skills, can put on the floor a little bit, can shoot a little bit. Of course, those things were mostly flashes at Texas. He did look pretty lost as a team defender. And you can't blame him. You know, he's a six, as a 16-year-old, who that's when he first picked up a basketball. He's only been playing basketball for about four or five years in sort of an organized setting. So the growth from his freshman year to Texas to the sophomore year at Texas, you're hoping he takes another big jump, gets in the developmental system. But you know what? I guess, like I said, you know, I guess the Spurs really liked that guy because uh, they also worked out Kai Jones. They interviewed Kai Jones. They brought him out to dinner at a seafood restaurant in San Antonio. I guess he just was, I guess Josh Primo was part of the plan all along. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You cover the draft. Josh Primo was a super one of the probably the more surprising picks I've ever seen in draft history, to be honest. But another draft pick, they had Joe Wieskamp. And, you know, everybody, you know, not everybody, but some prospects in the draft go through these weeks or these couple of days where they get a lot of hype. You know, everybody's talking about them. And Joe Wieskamp was one of these guys. You know, it happened in combine. It happened with his measurements and his athletic testing. And everybody got really high on him all of a sudden for a little bit. And then it died down a little bit as we got toward the draft. But the Spurs had the chance to draft him. He's a really great shooter and was an underrated athlete until they started testing his athleticism. And then he became no longer underrated. What do you make of that draft pick for the Spurs? Yeah, first, I really like Joe Wieskamp. He's actually the very first guy that I had reached out to to see if he had worked out with the Spurs. I heard rumblings about it, so I reached directly out to him and his agent. They confirmed with me that, yes, he did work out with the Spurs. So he sort of holds like a special place, um, I guess, in like my reporter heart, right? So he was the first guy who I made contact with. But I really like him for the Spurs. They finished 30th in three-point makes attempts, rate 24th in three-point percentage. They need shooters. They need size. He's 6'7". Uh, Like you said, he tested pretty well athletically, better than I think a lot of people thought. That 42-inch vertical was really nice to see. He had one of the top shuttle times. And, you know, hopefully he finds his way into the rotation, but they just signed Doug McDermott, so that doesn't seem too likely. But he could be a nice depth piece for them, especially as a second rounder. I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs go the same way they did with Trey Jones, where they give him a guaranteed contract for, you know, relatively low money as a rookie. Yeah, so we see these guys getting actually signed today, or maybe it was yesterday. No, it was today. Doug McDermott, Zach Collins. And then you look at, you're drafting a Josh Primo. It seems like you're almost going in like two different directions. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's sort of strange. So for the last few years, I've sort of been putting out this idea that the Spurs are sort of in flux as long as up is here. And of course, Greg Popovich can stay as long as he wants. When you five, win five championships, when you get to the playoffs for 23 straight years, 
you can do what you want. You can stay as long as you want, but he is the oldest coach in NBA history already as of last season. He's only getting older. I don't know how much longer he's going to stay. He has one year left on that contract. So I think as long as Pop here, they're going to try to win because that's something that they have stated explicitly that they're going to be trying to be competitive, get into the playoffs, win in the playoffs. Of course, that hasn't happened the last couple of years, but it's interesting seeing them have a guy as young as Primo at 18, who's nearly three years younger than anyone else on the roster as of today. And he's also nearly a decade younger than one of the guys they just signed to a rookie scale extension in Derek White last season. So I don't know where they're going. There's been reports that Derek White, DeJounte Murray are gettable. There's reports that they're willing to let DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, and Patty Mills walk in free agency. We saw Gorgie Jeng sign with the Hawks earlier. So I, I don't know what direction this team is going in, but if they want to stay competitive with moves like Doug McDermott and Zach Collins while still trying to go a little bit younger with Josh Primo, Wieskamp, Devin Vassell, and someone like Trey Jones, no, that's fine with me. But I do think they're so guard heavy and they have a lot of skill overlap, especially at those guard positions. Someone's probably going to be getting the boot soon in terms of like a trade. Now, I can't confirm that. I, I don't have any sort of trade intel on the table, but that's certainly the feeling around what they've been doing. Yeah, they're definitely not going like full OKC mode. Um, <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> they're definitely not going in that direction. But do you believe they actually want to win? They want to get in the playoffs or they're just trying to have a good enough team to foster an environment to develop talent like Josh Primo and Wieskamp? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, we've seen it with DeJounte Murray. We saw it with Derek White, Devin Vassell, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, where they mostly spend the, their, their rookie year in the G League. They maybe come out at the end of the year once the, you know, pop thinks they're ready for NBA minutes. And sometimes you have an exception to that role. Like Devin Vassell didn't play a single minute in the G league. He was ready. You know, he's one of the more NBA ready prospects in my mind from the last class. I was glad he played from day one, but it's hard to tell what they're really doing. I mean, they, they have some good veterans. I thought DeMar DeRozan was a really good influence on the young guys. They really liked him. DeJounte in particular responded really, really well to him. They had a really yeah. close bond. But at the same time, I mean, guys like Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan, Gorgie Jink, those guys are eating into the younger guys' minutes. And I'm not sure San Antonio really knows what they have in guys like DeJounte and Derek and Lonnie, right? Those guys hasn't, haven't had a bunch of touches. They haven't had uh, a high usage. They haven't had many shots. They aren't playing consistent minutes or a consistent role. So if there was ever a year to find out what they have in these guys, it's 2020-21 or is it 2021, right? 2021, 2022 season. Yeah. Sorry. Who, I got who, who, who knows anymore? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, we'll see what they have this year. That's what I'm hoping that they do. Yeah. You mentioned pop and obviously pop's place in basketball history is solidified. He has had some struggles when it comes to team USA recently. Have you seen pop adjust as a coach to the modern game? Or do you feel he's somewhat stuck in his ways? What do you make of the way Pop has adjusted? Because it's a whole new game these days, and we know that. Yeah, it's tough. So I've said this before on other podcasts, and I mean it in the most respectful way possible. But when you think of Michael Jordan on the Wizards, right, he was still Michael Jordan. He still had the name. He still occasionally showed those little flashes of being, you know, the greatest player of all time. But you knew it wasn't the same Michael Jordan, right? And with Pop, I think the game hasn't passed him up but he's been a little bit unwilling to change at times. And I know, okay, the personnel wasn't great. There's a reason why they finished near the bottom of the league in three-point shooting and really the pace and space era of basketball. But he was also the guy who kind of has the final say on building this roster. There's a reason they call it pop and the front office, right? He's one of the guys who gets the final say on the roster. He's a guy who probably green-lighted deals like three years, 48 million for Pau Gasol, three years, 24 million for DeMar Carroll. 
that uh, extension that they signed LaMarcus to a few years ago and they ended up buying him out. So there's some questionable moves in there in terms of personnel, guys who don't really seem like they fit together for the modern game. But at the same time, he has really gotten the most out of a lot of the guys who've come into the into this organization, even through the draft. Like you think of DeJounte Murray, Derek White, and Keldon Johnson, all guys who went 29th in the draft. Most of the time, those guys are gambles. They may be role players if you're lucky. All of them were starters. All of them were starters this year and serviceable. Yeah. Keldon Johnson is a guy that I think could really take a leap eventually. Like he has all the tools to get that done, I think, in the right situation. Yeah, it's tough. I really, really like Keldon. You know, he's still only 21 years old. He's shown some interesting flashes. But for me, the things that he's got to get better at, they're really, really tough to get better at. That self-creation, you know, he doesn't have a really expansive dribble package. He doesn't have a ton of wiggle, mostly a straight line driver at this point. And if you want him to be a three-point shooter, at this point, he's only a standstill shooter. Definitely, he's below average one at that at least at this point in his career. Now working with Chip England, maybe he's putting work in the gym. He's talking to these guys on USA basketball legends like Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard. Maybe he learned something from them and he's expanding his game. That's what I hope for because he certainly has the personality for it. He's electric. He's a friendly guy. He's a fun guy. San Antonio loves him. So I'm rooting for Keldon. I think he, he's a really great dude. You mentioned Chip England and Chip England was the guy who helped Kawhi develop a jump shot. Now, so let's talk about Kawhi here. He opts out. He opts out of his contract. Read in between the lines. What does that mean to you? I think he's just looking for more money. When he was in San Antonio, he clearly wanted to go back home, right? His family was there. His girlfriend was there. It's hard to blame a guy. You know, you don't love the way that he did it if you're a Spurs fan or if you're covering the Spurs, but you certainly understand it from his standpoint. He's a quiet guy. He doesn't really say much. He's really just does what he likes to do in private. And unfortunately, you know, he wanted to go back to Los Angeles. There wasn't a lot they could do about that. And I think, you know, him opting out, that's just him saying, hey, I want more money because I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, I can't see him going back to Toronto. I can't see him coming back to San Antonio. Not that the bridge has been burned by any means. I mean, he's had dinner with Greg Popovich. He's been at the practice facility before during the summers if he's in town. So if there was a reunion to happen in San Antonio, I could only see it like at the very end of his career, but really I think he's going to end his career in Los Angeles. I just don't see him leaving. Yeah, that's interesting. I wanted to get right back to the Josh Primo thing for one second and the pop thing for one second. When they made that pick, did you feel, did anything cross your mind that they're looking past the pop era when they made that draft pick? Did that cross your mind? Yeah, it certainly felt so. I mean, he's like we said, he's 18 years old. He's not going to be 19 until two months into the season on Christmas Eve. So it's just hard to see him hitting his prime and Pop still being here. Pop 73. If this guy hits his prime, you know, at 22, 23, that's not another four or five years. And I just I can't see Pop staying here now. I could see someone like Becky Hammond assuming the role of head coach. I could see someone like Mitch Johnson, assuming that role, maybe Brett Brown, if he decides to come back to San Antonio, maybe even someone like Ime Udoka, if it doesn't work out in Boston, Will Hardy, the same thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, I do think that pick was made with the future in mind and not really with pop in mind, but well, you know, I'll get a chance to see this guy play as well as Joe Wieskamp, Vassell and Trey Jones at summer league here soon when I leave for Las Vegas. So I'm excited to see sort of where he is in his development. I know that he played a pretty off ball role, low usage role at Alabama. He had the eighth highest usage on that team. So maybe he looks different in summer league. Maybe they were holding him back a little bit, but you know, that's always the question, right? How much of it was the scheme? How much of it is the player? And we might find out that, you know, that information relatively soon. 
You mentioned Summer League. What non-Spurs rookie are you really looking forward to see play at Summer League? I'm really looking forward to really everybody that the Hornets got. I really like Kai Jones. I was really high on JT Thor as well. He was someone who was in the top 25 of my big board. He ended up sliding down. So I think those are two talented guys who could really have some impressive moments there. I also really want to see James Booknight. James yes. Booknight is a guy who, for me, top seven, easily top seven for me in this last class. And when he slipped, when he was at 11, I was like, oh, man, the Hornets better not take him. If he falls right into the Spurs, that's perfect. I know they have a ton of guards, but I don't think they have a, a shooting guard, a wing, that caliber. Unfortunately, you know, they took him. We ended up getting Josh Primo the next pick. So we're just going to see what we have in him when it comes to summer league. But really, the whole Hornets haul at that draft, I thought they were one of the biggest winners at that class. Of course, we won't know that for a few years, but – my immediate reaction is they were big winners in that draft. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would have took with the first Warriors pick, I would have took Book Knight, me personally. Um, but I would say I do like the Kaminga pick for this reason. I like the way that the Warriors didn't listen to the noise. Because when you when everybody talks about Kaminga, not everybody, but a lot of what has been around Kaminga has been negative. And they didn't really care about that. They saw the potential. They liked their guy and they draft him. It's not the direction I would have went with, but I like the pick though. Yeah, I was pretty okay with the pick too, because they also got Moses Moody at 14. You get a yes. guy who comes in, will probably be able to contribute to winning at least a little bit, especially next to, you know, Clay and Steph and Draymond if they're healthy. And then Kaminga sort of that pick for the future. You know, if he hits on all of those skills that are really at this point, theoretical, you could have a really special player if he's learning in their developmental system under legends. Like I mentioned, like all three of those guys are hall of famers to learn under them and Steve Kerr. That's a big deal. So I like the pick for them. I, you know, I was still pretty high on Kaminga. I had him six on my big board. So I thought, you know, it's fine to take him there, but I did think it's a little confusing taking him. And then the year before taking James Wiseman, when they didn't really show much patience with him, you know, Steve Kerr made some comments about him that he wasn't where they thought he was going to be in his development. And, you know, I mean this in the nicest possible way to the Warriors scouting staff, but I think everybody who saw him in high school, when people were labeling him a unicorn, they sort of knew that wasn't true. You know, he liked to put the ball on the floor, but he wasn't very good at it. He liked to shoot threes, but he wasn't very efficient with that. Um, you know, he could swat shots, but not really a aware team defender. So you brought that guy in at the second pick after having played three games in college and you were expecting him to what help you win a championship this year. So I'm not sure that that pick makes a lot of sense just in terms of they just took Wiseman and now they have Kaminga, a guy they're going to have to be patient with. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but maybe they're planning to move him. Maybe they decide he's worth being patient for. We'll just have to see when it comes to Kaminga and James Wiseman with the Warriors. What are your thoughts on Evan Mobley as a prospect? I mean, we saw the James Wiseman thing. You can't say it didn't work out yet because it's way too early. It's only his rookie season. But what are your thoughts on just drafting bigs in the modern NBA, even though he does have some potential wing skills and obviously as a defender, He's great. He could slide and raise. I mean, he could guard multiple positions, maybe not quite as versatile as a defender as Scotty Barnes, but he's still very <laughs> versatile as a defender. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? How do you think his game will translate to the NBA level? So I had him as the number two prospect in this class. He was in a tier right under Cade Cunningham right by himself. And I think he's very versatile. Now, I think there's a chance that obviously he could get exposed by smaller point guards, you know, maybe even smaller shooting guards. But right. he slides his feet really well. He's very, very long. He's got good lateral mobility. He can backpedal pretty quickly. He's fluid. got good balance. So I yeah. like exactly. That's a word that yeah. I think of when I think of him. He's very fluid. So I think he's going to be 
you know, I, I hate to throw out player comparisons, but physically he's very similar to a guy like Christian Wood. I don't know if he's as bouncy. I don't know if he has the same amount of verticality as he does on his, you know, on his, on his vertical jump, but he's certainly a guy who has some shooting ability who I thought has some untapped passing potential. I thought he could even potentially maybe one day, one day be like a, a playmaking hub from the post. Now I'm not hundred percent sure on that. We didn't see it enough at USC for me to be hundred percent convinced, but the other parts of his game as in terms of like spot up shooting, even being able to create off the dribble a little bit, those are really interesting for a guy who's seven feet tall in terms of the defense. You don't really see a lot of seven footers as versatile as him. Like when you think of that or guys who are centers like that, you think of guys like, Anthony Davis, you think of guys like Bam Adebayo. And if you want to throw out a younger comparison, even someone like Nick Claxton, who at this point, I think he could be a really good defender. And I think Evan Mobley could have a really bright future, but drafting bigs is just so finicky in the NBA at this point, you know, that early, you got to be really sold on him. Fortunately, I'm really sold on him. I think the Cavs are really sold on him. And, uh, you know, maybe other guys like Alperin Shingun don't make as much sense unless they reach their high end outcome, but you got to take a swing on them to find out. I thought Shangun was going to the Spurs. Let me tell you, I, I got a I got a DM from somebody the night of the draft saying that Alperin Shangun's father said that if he wasn't going eight to the Magic, he was going twelve to the Spurs. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I, I you know I, I don't know that you're a hundred percent accurate on that. We'll see how that plays out because a lot of players think they're going you know X Y Z place. Right. It didn't end up panning out that way, but it certainly seemed like he could be a candidate for them. They needed front court depth. Uh, Inter- the international you know, thing with the Spurs, that's a real thing. You know, it's a real thing. It has been, it definitely yeah. has been. I know that yeah. they've been sort of more domestic recently going with guys like Trey Jones and Vassell. Right, right, and right. Johnson, but they did take a swing on a guy like Keldon John or not Keldon Johnson, Luka Shamanich at 19, just a few years ago. So I easily could have seen them taking a swing on somebody like Shingun who dominated grown men in the Turkish super league, which I know a lot of people who don't watch that league think it's probably just another league but outside of the Liga ACB I think it's probably the second best domestic league outside of the NBA so people who didn't recognize that this kid won MVP youngest regular season MVP in that league's history that's a big deal like he's further along than I think some people give him credit for it just seems like the depth of this draft is really good like there's just so many young players that are going to be playing in summer league I can you remember a draft this deep in the last few years? Because you just have a lot of guys who are really interesting, I would say. Yeah, I almost want to say last year's draft was comparably deep for me. Now, we still have to wait and see. They had a weird offseason, right, where it was like a shortened offseason, no training camp, no practices during the season. So it's hard to tell. No, what su- they no summer league. No summer. Exactly. Like no yeah. summer league. So. <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested to see that class participate in summer league too, but this one is very deep as well. You know, I thought even late and maybe not that late, but into the mid second round, you were still getting guys who had a lot of value. One, the guy that stands out to me is someone that the bucks picked up Sandro mama college Vili out of Seton hall. I like him a lot. That was my second round sleeper. When anybody asked, I would say, yeah. Oh yeah. I liked Isaiah Todd. He played pretty well for, for the G league ignite. I know that it wasn't consistent, but the dude can shoot the ball for real. Yeah, yep. definitely can shoot the ball. So we'll see what he does at Summer League, too. Noah, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Yeah, you can find you can find me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. You can follow me on YouTube at just my name, Noah Magaro George. Find my writing at Pounding the Rock. And lastly, you can find my podcast. It's called Alamo City Limits. It's the official San Antonio Spurs podcast of SB Nation and Pounding the Rock. And uh, just I appreciate you having me, man. It was a lot of fun. I'd love to do this again sometime. Most definitely. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon.
Sounds good. Take care, man. There it is, another episode of Combos Court Podcast. Thank you to everyone who tunes into Combos Court across the globe. Thank you to Noah for joining in on this episode. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't already, punch down on that subscribe button. Also, would greatly appreciate it if you would share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo on IG. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 292. Combo out.